This week's episode of Aussie Tech is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 690 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on 20th of August 2020. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and this is my co-host, Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. How goes it? How is the stuff up in the north? Uh, 12. 12. Mm. I tell you what I've been doing this afternoon, watching <laughs> a new Netflix series called High Score. Have you watched it? Uh, I haven't watched it. I have seen the trailer for it, though. It is pretty good. Talking about all the... 1980s gaming systems with Nintendo and Atari and all of that stuff. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. I like, just started like the third episode tonight. I um I saw it a couple of um I saw it a couple of weeks ago on something or other. And yep. I'm like, oh I gotta watch that and then it's one of those things I just haven't actually got around to yet. But yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely it, worth watch. Very interesting good. stuff. And they've got um They've got Ken and Roberta, who you would know from um, Sierra Online with all their games. Yep. And they have a bit of a chat. And um, there's a guy who wrote Ultima, oh, yeah. starting with Ultima 1 all the way up to Ultima Online and everything. And it's really, really interesting stuff. And talking about how uh, Maya, Miyamoto came up with the idea for Mario and Space Invaders, where it started from and all of that stuff. Really, really interesting and a lot of fun to watch. They've got a few episodes. They've got um, tournaments that were in the U. They, it's funny because they call them world tournaments, even yeah. though it was only held in the UK. It's kind of like World world, uh, ba- world League's Baseball, which is only American. It's like <laughs> they call it the world for some reason. World world Dance Dance Revolution, um, whatever it was, uh, Superstars yeah. or something. And it was all Asians for like 10 years. And the one year they opened up the rest of the world, America got like first and second. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how they do that. But yeah, it's Power really glove. interesting. They got 
video from this kid when he was 10 years old, but now he's like 50 or something. He's talked about the good old days when he went, did the uh, played Tetris and Super Mario Brothers and everything, but a lot of really interesting stuff. Yeah, no, it looks good. So it's something I'll, I'll get around to watching. It's um, it's, It must be the time for Retro Revival at the moment. It's just all sorts of stuff happening at the moment. It's all happening. All yeah, I've had over months. 700 people download my Spectrum game. At least two people have paid for it. It's one for $10 and one for $1, but... Yeah, well, you know... I mean, it's not revolutionally world-breaking Mario-type game, but... Yeah. get 11 bucks or something. Let's see it. I mean, it's one of those things, like... Uh, I think it's technology has sort of played such an active part in our life at the moment that we kind of sometimes want it to regress. So I think yeah. when you start talking with retro stuff and your lower speed gameplay, lower resolutions, lower quality, lower sound, lower, you know... Why does stuff like Minecraft more, become popular, right? Well, yeah, I mean... I think that started honestly. I think Minecraft was the start of the the sort of rebirth because everyone's like, "Oh, it's crappy graphics," and it's like, "Well, no, hang on, it's actually not. It's actually very high end stuff made to look old." And then it's, it's sort of the gets gameplay people, that makes it. Yeah, right? and people go back and they go, oh, "Hang on, actually, no, that's right. This is what older graphics looks like." And then you know, it's to sit back with your mate on the lounge, relax, chill. You know, playing games. You know, it's it's the experience of the whole process now. Not just sitting in front of a computer, loading up Steam, playing a game, and be done with it. Yeah. You know, and if you wanted to have, you know, wanted to play multiplayer, you had to actually physically get off your ass, go to your mate's place, and sit down. And <laughs> half the time, you had to bring your own control because they only had one control too. I used to do that. <laughs> yep, yep. We had a computer group every Friday night for Commodore sixty four gaming and stuff. Yeah, a lot of fun. We had uh, probably my earliest like multiplayer. I remember with friends was the Nintendo Entertainment System. In terms yep. of like multiple players, like three or four or five or six players, all queuing, you know, one after the other to play. Um, we actually had it figured out with CRT monitors in the old days. The old old monitors yep. <laughs> you used to be able to actually horizontally phase the monitors, so you could shift the image left and right. So we figured out if you're playing a split screen game and you put a car actual splitter and you can have two TVs. And you can phase shift one screen left and phase shift one screen right. And you can have like three quarters of the screen dedicated to yourself. Oh, nice. <laughs> so it was almost a full screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, we, the good old days. But I think that's, in some respects, I think that's what people are looking for again. And like, yeah, okay, there's emulators and stuff like that. They really don't do as well as actual physical retro style products. Like, as you said, the the people are remaking these old consoles and these old Commodore 64s and Vicks and, and whatever. They're re, redesigning them to be slightly more user-friendly, but at the end of the day, it's they're bringing that experience back. Yeah. Um, I think that's where some of these small consoles fell apart. They didn't have the experience. Like, it was a HDMI cable, it was a USB power cable, and it was the controller, which was way too short. It was only like a three-foot cable. and. That's not how Nintendo's worked. You had to dig out the RF cable and unwrap it and then plug it in, then find the channel and get the power supply and plug it in and unwrap the cord and put the cartridge in and then take it out and then put the cartridge in and then take it out and then put the cartridge in and then take it. <laughs> yeah, they're a quick shot. You know? And and that's what I mean. That that they've remanufactured those, but they're not the same. But no. well they they hadn't been the same. But now usually like competition pro now. Yeah. But 
then now there's a, a an expectation that if you buy, are they the Apple ones or are they the? This is VZ two hundred. Oh, VZ. Man. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's got, they had the funky. Yeah, they used the printer port, didn't they? Or yeah, something similar. That? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I think that's the expectation now. When someone buys a controller like a quick shot or a Nintendo or a, a traditional controller, they expect it to be that traditional style of controller. Yeah. I mean, you I've know? got this Commodore 64 Mini, but yeah. I would rather the use the real Commodore 64C that I've got there than, yeah. I mean, I can load up stuff really fast. It's got this invisible green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's half the size thanks, of the console. Thanks, yeah. thanks to the um, chroma key there. <laughs> actually, a USB key in there, but it looks like the wall behind me. But it loads up fast. It does all the stuff, but it doesn't have the same feel as. I mean, these are fake keys. They're hard yeah. to and press that, or anything. That was the problem. I got the same. We had a Nintendo and another one. And it's the same. They just they don't feel. You, you don't feel right if, if you're new. If you're new and coming into it, you'd get away with it. But if yeah. you're a traditional classic per arcade gamer or whatever and you know what they used to be like, it's not the same. And you mm. want that whole experience again. CRT monitors are making a... There's actually... I think it's... Oh, I have to look it up. I think it's like Philips or something is actually get back into making CRT monitors again because they've had such a huge demand for it. Like big, like, 16, 7-inch CRTs. Um, oh, that's amazing. Because you have to do that because there's so much demand for it. Yeah, the old ones you just can't buy them because and everybody is stupid prices them and, when you do get them. Yeah, eBay rare <coughs> one billion dollars yeah. for I mean, a TV. When I was working in the computer store in Melbourne in like 99, 2000, 2001, we threw out hundreds of CRTs because I it was threw a trend a couple of years ago. Know, it was a transition to LCD and nobody wanted CRTs anymore, but now it's everyone wants them again. Yeah, you know, like I had a. I wish I didn't, but the the CRT was this big, like twenty four inch or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was about that thick. Yeah, and if, if it was like a nice fourteen inch or something, I would have kept it just to plug in my Commodore sixty four and BZ. But it was just taking up too much of the room. I mean, I've got a forty something inch LCD over there that I can plug stuff into, and I just don't. But have you can't. <laughs> it's not the same. Plugging into an LCD monitor is not the same as plugging into a CRT. No, the LCD different... monitor takes up this much space yeah, that way, whereas it does. the CRT. But the the ability of a LCD to display correctly an old school game does it doesn't. It, doesn't it looks entirely different. different. I don't care how good your emulation is, it's yeah. not the same as playing it on a CRT. I plug my real VZ in there, and it's all the pixels are mm. terrible. It's not all solid or anything. And so. the thing was with the old school CRTs, you could have an old. I actually had a rear projection CRT where it used three color guns to fire onto the ah. back, back side of a screen. Like it had basically three T, three a red, a green, a blue projector inside it that fired onto the back of a mat, and they're all yeah. CRT. Um, I mean, the the lights in the city were dim when you turned it on. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it used a lot of power, but it was a 50-inch, 55-inch, something like that. It was pretty big for yeah. back then. And you could plug a console into it, and the graphics were every bit as good as playing them on a little 14-inch. Like, it didn't affect the graphics. If you yeah. try and do that with, with a LCD, you plug it into a... You know, 10 inch LCD, you might get away with it. You plug it into a, a you plug it into your TV in a 55, 60 inch LCD. It's almost unplayable. 
Yeah, it looks terrible. You know, so it's... I had, um, at the University of Sydney when I worked there, we had a projector that I had to fix up that was a, a monitor projector. Yep. So I plugged it into my computer and I'm doing IRC on the wall, yep. wall of my office. Yeah, I remember that. Also, I noticed this number here, episode... Oops. Uh, sometimes it doesn't update. Like, I physically update the number, but it doesn't, doesn't actually... Change, yeah, it? so I mean, the real thing is the real thing. I wouldn't, I would like to get maybe an Amiga 600. I never had one back in the day. I actually bought an Amiga mouse was as far as I got. <laughs> never bought the actual computer, but Gee, I was very lucky tempted. you had that mouse. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine had a um 500, and I was either going to get a 1200 or a 600. And I look online. And six hundreds are over thousand dollars or something. I'm like, no, I might as well do it on a Pi, but the Pi's not going to be the same thing. I mean, the the five hundred is the traditional Amiga that everybody knows, and six hundred really was that with I think what a couple of memory upgrade, something like that, and a bit more portable. Yeah, yeah, but it was smaller. basically the same thing as an Amiga five hundred, yeah. really. But all all of those are way too expensive for my taste at the moment. They ran a Motorola sixty eight thousand CPU at seven point one six megahertz. Whoa! Mm. Or 7.09 nice. if it was the PAL version because of, of a different scan rate. One Super meg fast. of memory at 80 nanosecond access time. Six meg maximum memory up with the unofficial expansions. They was, had a little door underneath the trap door that you could open and shove more RAMs in there. Was released in 1992. March yeah. 1992. Yeah. Back in the good old days. It was what they did that, then they did what? The Omega 1200? I think that was about the last one, wasn't it? They had the 500, the 600, the 1200, the 2000. I did. Maybe 4000, possibly. So check. the 1200 was 92. Yeah, Amiga 4000 T was the last one, I think. In, yeah, but did anybody uh, have it? Um, it was started in 92 and discontinued in 94. Yeah, so not really. But it was, it was, only, it was 25 meg. 25 megahertz, so it was what 7, 14, 21. So all the TV stuff was three and a half times ham mode Holden modified graphics with 4096 colors on the Amiga. Yeah. All the TV stuff was done with Amigas. Oh, yeah, because I mean, straight out of the box, the stuff you could do with them was quite amazing. Yep. We, we actually had an Amiga, that's the one we had at school now that I looked at it. The Mega 4000, we actually had one of those at school, and then I had a a built oh, it in... went up to 24-bit, 16.8 million colors. Oh, there you go. There you go. That was only the 4,000, though, I think. But they had some good games on there. Because we had that, that was where I when... first saw um, Lemmings, I think. It had a pass-through, a video pass-through, where you could plug a RCA, a, um, a sorry, AV. Tester. You could plug an AV into the back. It would display on the screen where you could draw live overlays out of it, and it would pass it through and with the overlay out the other side of it. Yeah, it yeah. was awesome. You could do absolutely nothing with it because we didn't have the technology at school. But just the fact you could do that at the time, we thought that was the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> I had fun too because my friend who had an Amiga when he got married, he wanted me to be the best man, so I had to do a speech and stuff. And I was talking about how uh, before his new-to-be wife, the only ones he'd been involved with was um, uh, Pauline and uh, Agnes. <laughs> and Fat Agnes, which were all the CPU and sound chips inside the Amiga, all had female names. I was like, 
But don't worry, all of those were just computer chips. There was nicknames for them. This is the first girl that was ever real love. So everybody thought that was funny, which was good because I was so nervous AF. So we're going to talk about that sort of stuff. I guess it's a good segue into my one of my stories is the ZX Spectrum is a revolutionary revolution in personal computing whose impact is still felt to this day 38 years after its original launch by sinclair a generation of developers artists and designers took their first steps into the art of software developing using a spectrum a machine that broke out of computing niche to touch the hearts of millions of people around the world a few memories are powerful as finding a spectrum under your christmas tree or as a birthday gift unboxing it to unveil an icon of design whose ease of use got people from all walks of life into programming and gaming so powerful was the impact of the Spectrum, new games and apps still produced for it to this very day, making one of the most enduring machines of all time. The ZX Spectrum Next Issue 2 is fully compatible with the original Spectrum 48, the 128, the Plus 2 and the Plus 3, and even some clones such as the Russian Pentagon, allowing it to run virtually every piece of software available. Its hardware is implemented in FPGA technology with no emulation in sight. It's capable of running the original games with enhanced capabilities such as faster processing, speed boosting 3D titles, or even loading them from tape if you want the original feeling. It supports most expansion boards made for the original ZX Spectrum via its expansion port and connects to several different types of monitors, including RGB, SCART, VGA, and HDMI. Currently on Kickstarter for the Spectrum ZX Spectrum Next Issue 2, they've pledged two. Imagine an alternative time. $1.195 million of the $456,000 Australian dollars goal, uh, 3,447 backers and 21 days to go. So if you're interested in uh, Spectrum, get the Spectrum next issue two, and it should come out, I think it's around this time next year. It's going to take about a year to get them all uh, made and sent out. But they've got over two million dollars pledged, and they're only after less than half a million for their goal. So they're very surprised that people are excited. And you don't just play Spectrum stuff on there because it's FPGA. They've got different cores. So there's an arcade core, so you can play original arcade games in the same style using the original ROMs from the arcade devices like Pac-Man and what have you. Um, there's also other different computers that people have written cores for, which makes the ZX Spectrum uh, basically exactly the same as the other computers. So not you don't just get one computer because it's FPGA. You get all these different computers as well. Nice. Yeah, it definitely looks pretty cool. Something to uh, keep the... I was very tempted, but it turns out it's about uh, $547 Australian. Yeah, I was just looking and at that. And <laughs> I've got a lot of other expenses right now, so... Yeah, I mean, it's it's a Z80 processor, 3.5 meg, 7 meg, 14 meg, and 28 meg. So it yep. covers the, the range. 1 meg of RAM, expandable to 2. And yep. actually, if you think about it, it must actually be expensive to get some of this stuff made now because they don't make you know that sort of memory it's not when we're dealing in you know in gigabytes of ram and stuff now you, 
you'd be hard pressed to find a manufacturer who still makes one megs. You'd have to go, hey, I need to do a run of ten thousand of them or something, you know. Yeah, and you need to have a good backing for it, and it's three, nearly three and a half thousand people are backing it at the moment. So mm. it's pretty cool. Nine channel audio. Yeah. <laughs> so they got um, some of the other cores include MSX, NES, and ColecoVision. Calico. You remember that from the Simpsons? Yeah, that's like the the, the Calico Vision. Yeah, that's it. PS2 mouse port. And Hello, Super Super Nintendo Chalmers. An optional GPU, one gigahertz processor, and five twelve megram accelerator board. <laughs> yeah, and because they met a lot of their goals, they threw in a Raspberry Pi for acceleration and all this sort of stuff. Plus. They've got their own Spectrum Next uh, system, so it's got yeah, higher Next. resolution. They don't have the color attribute clashes. They got better sound. Next OS. Everything built into it. So yeah, they've got their own thing. But it's, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. I mean, as you say though, and it has dual output. Like you can output to a HDMI and a CRT. Yep. Which is pretty cool. But as you say, for th- what is it, six hundred and something bucks or whatever it is. Yeah, five forty-seven Australian. Yeah, that's. Um, eh. I was very tempted though because to to buy just an original Spectrum ZX with no expansions or anything else is almost that much money Australian anyway. Mm. Well, that's right, especially like with postage and two hundred two hundred and fifty dollars to buy it on eBay and then like two hundred fifty dollars postage from the UK, which yeah. might arrive next month or the one after. So. Might as well get an upgraded one. Well, yeah. I mean, once again, as long as the experience is the user experience is what you expect, you know that that's the crux of it, really. Yep. yep. So, um, so speaking of like, well, semi-open source, I guess. Mm. Uh, actually, what I might do, I mention our Patreons. Put that up there. Yeah, that's what reminded me. <laughs> It'll um. <laughs> We have a Patreon page, Aussie Ticket, um, patreon.com slash Aussie Tickets. Uh, you can, if you choose to, you can um, give us some money on there, which would be fantastic because it all helps. Lots of different tiers. Yeah, we've got different tiers in there. We've got big tiers and small tiers and tiers of laughter and tiers of crying. Most Mostly tiers of crying. That's, that's tears predominantly of joy. Them. No, very, very few of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty, they're pretty much all genuine. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it helps us out. Um, goes back into the show and helps us uh, helps us eventually. You know, once we get a few Pays more patrons in, at, at the moment it's covering the streaming. You know, if we can cover the streaming and the hosting and and uh, when's Glenn gonna get something better than a two eight six? Oh, uh, well, we'll have to get a bit more money for that. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, sign up. We got to help Glenn save the Glenn twenty twenty. Yeah, we might start up a Kickstarter. <laughs> Hashtag save Glenn twenty twenty. <laughs> bring bring Glenn's computer back into the eighties. <laughs> Update it to the eighties. Um, so I need to thank Chris, David Bird, uh, Daniel, and Amanda D. Uh, Bouncing Yellow Skull and uh, CD Envy. Envy. Why does that um, remind me of Cauldron the game? A bouncing yellow bouncing skull. skull. <laughs> Doesn't it? Does a bit. Do you think so? It does a bit. That was an awesome game back in the day. All ghouls and ghosts. Yep. 
so yeah thanks guys for for doing that it really helps us out and um you know as i said you don't have don't feel obliged to but it's our only revenue source and it really helps us out um making sure this show continues because the tier that you the the lower end tier which is a four dollar a month um one um it basically makes us do four shows a month because that's part of the deal so we pretty much have to (laughs) it's me and mr t out of our minecraft for the night (laughs) that's it exactly once it gets it out it gets us out of our mind yeah all that too (laughs) it removes our mind for the night (laughs) Uh, so thanks guys for that and um hope, hope some more of you guys will jump on board um, compact claustrophobia <laughs> has been a bit interesting hasn't it it's 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 really hard to explain too because it's it's, a, it's our minecraft mod pack we're playing at the moment mr t found you start in a room that's three by three by three yeah you punch the wall to get some resources and from there you have to expand out and eventually get out into the real world or something yeah and it's 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 we've always had struggle finding a mod pack that's balanced between being difficult enough to make the quests interesting but, but not great tech but, enough to piss me off yeah but not super difficult <laughs> in so far as you get halfway through a quest and you don't want to do it anymore but at the same time you don't want it that easy that you you can do the whole page of quests in a day like so we've had a lot of trouble finding a pack that's balanced like that and finally we've we've discovered it and um it really is it's a really bizarre combination of almost wanting to quit all the time but just wanting to go that little bit further just in case like it's yep. <laughs> so no it's been been a lot of fun but um i have to even if that. it involves a lot of sewage for some reason yeah throwing things into sewage seems to be popular and, and eating your poo they're very yep. popular pastimes in this mod pack I'm, I'm not i'm not sure on that but you know i might have to start streaming it i should do that yeah yeah, yeah. On twitch that's it but because uh, we also have a obviously those tech heads uh, on on Twitch and Facebook and YouTube, but um, Warlock and myself also have Twitch um, streams. Mine's Mister Tompkinson, and yours is Warlock, I believe. Yeah, if it's set up properly, yeah. And uh, we do occasionally stream there, not all the time, not as much as we probably want to, but we do do it sometimes. So check out there and see how things go. Yep. So uh, yeah, speaking of <laughs> things that are kind of free, which is that thing I had back there before the other side of the other thing facebook i mean okay we know facebook's free but uh how many i wonder how many people know that facebook among a lot of other um the web-based software is based on open source software uh it's basically primarily based on linux um which they would be dead yeah more or less so they create a free program on a free platform and then charge people to use it so you know there's that (laughs) But um, a lot of companies, such as Facebook, are active contributor to a lot of open source projects because obviously they rely on it. They like to give back to make sure the projects continue. Uh, React, which is a JavaScript library. Um, open Compute Project, which is open source data. Uh, data centers, hardware, that sort of stuff. Um, Linux is uh, Cgrip2, which is container software. It's a bit hard to explain. It's kind of like packages, I guess you'd, you'd call it. It's sort of what holds it all together and now they're joining the linux foundation uh at the platinum level which actually means that they're a paid uh a paid user like almost like a sponsor i guess you'd call it um of the linux foundation 
Um, the Linux Foundation supports the creation of sustainable open source ecosystems by providing a financial and intellectual resource, infrastructure, services, events, and training. So, apart from supporting the whole open um, aspect of it, they bring on people who are basically mentors, sponsors, whatever you want to call them, and they host everything from seminars. Uh, they train and educate people on how to build and run and maintain their software, um, data centers. You know, there's a whole heap of stuff that goes on there. Um, they also, they're a very big proponent along with um, the Open Compute Project and there's another one I can't think of off the top of my head. They're very big proponents of keeping, I guess, freedom of the internet, you know, unrestricted effect- effectively. Um ironically for Facebook to want unrestricted internet but <laughs> not so much Facebook but the, the the Linux back end of that they want you know they want they don't want to shut down torrenting sites because torrents is one of the best ways they spread the, their um, their installations like they've got some of the big ones now the Red Hats are getting up into 6 and 8 and 10 gig files they can't afford to host that on their server so they use torrenting to spread that data for, for free effectively. So they're big proponents of free internet. Um, but yeah, it's, um, Facebook's uh, has been a long me- been a member of them for a long time, uh, but they're finally joining the foundation at the highest level as a platinum member. Um, Facebook's head of open source, Kathy Cam, will join the Linux Foundation's board. Cam uh, is 20-year engineering, product management, and uh, developer relations leader and a vast open source um, proponent obviously she's previously worked at Google and Microsoft uh, <laughs> while Facebook has been criticised for how it deals with privacy and politics it's impeccable open source credentials it was already the lead contributor of many Linux foundations such as Presto, GraphoGL OS Query, Onyx um, employs many Linux kernel developers key developers um, they also have a lot of other open source projects like Facebook Connectivity um, which is the Telecom Info Project Foundation, TRP, I think it is, which is bringing uh, fast, reliable internet to underserved populations. Um, Facebook created a unique uh, data set with their deep fake detection challenge because I'm sure that was purely to, you know, uh, all honest and pure. There was no nefarious reason for doing that. Um, <laughs> Facebook's Data for Good program making geographic data to be shared with the aim of addressing some of the world's greatest humanitarian issues included, uh, which is the part of the thing that I'll talk about later that's currently under threat um, PyTouch uh, Facebook's accelerates machine learning uh, innovation uh, React.js library powers um, GitHub um, working with GitHub to sponsor like Major League Major League Hacking's first ever remote open source fellowship. That just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, basically it's um, supporting the continued stability, flexibility, scalability of Linux and every aspect of modern computing. Linux also formed the backbone of some of Facebook's early infrastructure. That's why we're thrilled to be doing our part in sponsoring it. So it's just interesting that, you know, amidst everything that's happening, everything that's going on, the weird laws that are being passed by governments the weird times that we're currently in that they just have kind of almost taken a back a step back and gone, well, hang on, let's sort of, you know, help out wh- where we came from, you know. It's interesting. 
um, despite the fact they're doing their best to block and censor information that's currently being passed around. But yeah. uh, at the back end, at the at the programming level, which realistically is the more important level anyway, because anybody can anybody can have a fo- you know anybody can have a vision for a website. It's the programming and the back end and the, the development and design and all that that makes it happen. And ultimately, yeah, they've, they've realized that without Linux and without the open foundation of Facebook, there, there wouldn't be Facebook. I mean, there wouldn't be Twitter. There wouldn't be a lot of these platforms that all use... Uh, well, there wouldn't be Windows, for that matter, because without Linux, there's no Windows. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. So, yes. What else do you have, sir? Back in 2005, before the iPhone, Apple purportedly helped the U.S. Department of Energy contractor modify a fifth-generation iPod to secretly record and store data. The exact reason why remains a mystery, but an ex-Apple engineer involved in the project thinks it could have been a surreptitious Geiger counter. This bonkers story comes from courtesy of David Shayer, a former Apple software engineer, was with the company for 18 years and worked on devices such as the iPod and Apple Watch. Shaya, who wrote the story for Tidbits, recounts a great day in late 2005 when his boss's boss, the director of iPod Software, told him he was assigned to a top-secret program Shh. with two engineers from the U.S. Department of Energy to build a special iPod. In actuality, the two engineers were from Bechtel, a U.S. defense contractor for the DOE. The response was to the request was to build a normal functioning iPod that could also secretly record data into custom hardware. In other words, some spy level shit. At the time, the iPod wasn't a particularly easy device to modify. That's because, according to Shea, the iPod's operating system wasn't based on any other Apple operating system. Instead, it was based on a reference platform Apple bought from a company called Portal Player and cobbled together with code from Pixo a company started by former Apple engineers who wrote a general-purpose cell phone operating system. And to summarize, the iPod OS was quite complicated and there was an easy way to figure out how it worked without the help from Apple. So they uh, had the guys come on site with special guest passes and they would give them uh, Apple source code, but they weren't allowed to take that off-site and they could use it while they were there and once they had all the info they wanted, they gave back the Apple source code and then uh, shut down and moved back to the DOE where they apparently made some devices to detect radiation from people who might be building bombs around America. Wow. <laughs> what an amazing story. <laughs> they said they couldn't do it with any of the other stuff because it was locked down with digital certificates, but the original iPod video players had a really big hard drive inside they said you could make a secret partition on there that was hidden. So if anyone plugged it into an Apple or a Windows machine that had iTunes running, it would just see the normal partition, but not the hidden one that was recording data from the guide counters. Well, I know that the yeah the fifth gen iPod is the last one that a lot of the people want because one it does hold it. You can put a two terabyte SSD in them. Yeah. Um, but I think most of them put a smaller one than that but they do like them because they you can they can hack them and mod them and yeah some do, people are running linux on them stuff like that yeah running linux and running um uh doom for example you can play doom on it yeah so yeah i think that's it's one of the more popular 
you look at the prices on them on eBay, they're more they're dearer now than they were when they were released. Like it's, <laughs> it's stupid because of this reason. I had an iPod Nano. I ended up giving to my cousin's daughter for her birthday just because I didn't use it anymore. It was her birthday, so but I uh, didn't have a big hard drive like that in it. No, they it's like an iPod Touch, I think actually. Yeah, well, the Touch was effectively what the iPhone was based on. Oh no! Wait, the touch is what my mum's got at the moment. Uh, no, that would must have been a nano or something like that. It had the bigger screen. It was a very long time ago. The iPod Classic. No, yeah, I can't remember now. They changed the. Because <laughs> they even was... had one of those little mini ones about this big that just had the circle with the buttons yeah. on it, and also the chewing gum stick one that. Came with warning signs that said, don't try and eat this or something. Tell you, the best one I had was actually um, a Sony Walkman um, MP3 player. Yeah. Um, it was about the size of a, a box of matches. Yeah. Um, but it had pretty good... It had pretty good... Um, battery life like six or eight hours it lasted for um i was trying to see if i can find it quickly but the sound quality because it used sony's proprietary um i don't know what they called it they had a weird name for their sound suite or something and you had to re-encode your mp3s using their software oh yep and they had um, their own special memory cards and stuff then well no yeah they had the duo but this wasn't the memory. This wasn't memory card. It was all built in. It was only like 128 meg, but with their special proprietary software, you could put. I think you put 500 songs on it or something like that. Yeah. Um. But however, their encoding worked on this software. I tell you what, the sound quality was astronomical. Like it was far superior to anything else at the time. Yeah. It beat. It even beat a lot of like high def like CD players and stuff. Like it was just, it was just sad that Apple had the marketing that made everyone go with Apple as the cool thing instead of whatever was better. Yeah, well, then that was the problem. Like, you look at the you know when mini discs and stuff like that were released, same thing happened. You know, they just didn't have the marketing behind them to push them. Um, mini disc would have been really really good. Mini, I mean, mini disc. Well, we used to use mini disc for data more than audio. We used to use a lot for data for stuff we were doing. Yeah. Um, Good for backup. Yeah, but yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I can't find this this thing. It was tiny. It, I ended up going swimming, which is why I don't have it anymore. But it, um, it, the the sound. I just, I can't get the sound quality. Like I, I I don't understand how they got such good clarity out of it when you compressing the files far more than anything else not your ipods and whatever else were taking just standard mp3s that you you had and getting decent sound out of it this thing was compressing them 10 times more and getting three four five times better sound out of them i just thought it was fascinating um yeah unfortunately i can't find i can find the later model they bought out but i can't find the really early one that they had yeah Um, i can see uh 40th anniversary walkman and stuff yeah, they re-released the Walkman. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, they did that a couple of years ago, but that was pretty. That was pretty cool. 
the um, I nearly bought one, but they were oh, something stupid. I think they were two hundred and fifty dollars or something when they come out. Yeah, and now they're even more on. Tell you what has <laughs> the yeah the orange earphones with the blue case Walkman. Ah, uh, yeah. Because that was what was used in. Um, uh, oh, I've got a complete blank now. The superheroes movie. The um, I'm having a blank. I can't think what it was. The movie that it's got Groot in it. Um, I am Groot. You know that one. Guardians of the Galaxy. That's it. <laughs> See, it's not just me. They had the the um, the Microsoft one. What was that called? No, they had the Walkman, the blue Sony Walkman. Oh yeah, but at at the end of the, I think it was oh, the, the second, second one, one yeah. that he was gifted with the Microsoft yeah P three player, and they're like, oh, this is the future and stuff. <laughs> Apparently, Microsoft was really pissed off because it died in the ass. But those blue, those original blue Walkmans now are going for thousands of dollars because. Cosplayers want them, and wow. they're paying insane amounts of money for them. Uh, and I remember I had half a dozen of them at one point. All with the heads used to collapse on Sony Walkmans. That was their biggest issue. The heads would Where fail. Link. So, uh, people keep messaging me. Stop it's it. It's me. Well, it's not just you. It's been a few people have done it. The MP3 player. But the history of all the Sony stuff, including the blue one. Yeah. Yeah, the first the first Sony Walkman. Um I wonder if it probably doesn't know it doesn't have it on there either. But yeah. That's yeah, uh Anyway, that's enough enough killing time while I'm trying to find something I can't find. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have it in that link, there's a little blue no. one that's Yeah, no, that's not it. Uh, it's incredibly obvious as soon as as soon as I see it I'll I'll say like it's I've never seen another device that looks like it I can't even do you even remember what the Microsoft one was called nope I don't I, until that movie came out I didn't even know they'd done one yeah yeah and yeah. then they come out I'm like what is that and then I looked at it and went oh <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> yeah it's um Zune Zune that's it yeah Microsoft Zune yeah they tried to take on Apple and it just died because nobody wanted a Microsoft one. And you have a look at um, websites. Microsoft didn't want the Zoom in the Guardians Galaxy because they made so much fun of it. How crap it was. Yeah, well, it kind of deserves it. But you know the... Yeah. Um, I don't and, know if... and when you wanted to send a, a file to somebody else, they called it squirting. Yeah, that's right. I squirt that was... the file to somebody else like... No, 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 no. That's a terrible. Yeah, let me squirt point. you. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 one thing I I remember when I went to when I ended up getting my N ninety five Nokia phone. I wanted one. At the same time, the Sony Walkman phone was out. Ah. And I listened to that again because, and I almost got the Walkman phone because once again. The audio clarity in that thing was insane. The phone, it was a candy bar phone. It was useless. had a crappy camera. Everything else was garbage. But it had absolutely amazing sound. And I nearly got that over the N95. At the time, the N95 had the best camera on the market and all sorts of stuff. I, I love that phone. It was great. 
Yeah. Um, flipped out both ways, different media modes, and oh, it was good fun. Yep. Until one day I flipped the keyboard and it just kept going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was the end of that. But yes. um, yeah, that thing, the the, if for no other reason, I'd I would track down one of those just to have because they sound absolutely amazing. So. Kind of like the Gravis ultrasound was the best sound, but everybody wanted the sound blaster. The good old Gus. Yeah. Yeah, but it was Gus for the win. But it was only MIDI sound, wasn't it? It wasn't digitized. No, they sound. had full full digitized sound oh, did they? stuff. I think. Or was that yeah. later on? Oh yeah, it was yeah. too. That's right. It was oh. Gus one twenty eight or something. Yeah. Brilliant yep. machine. Originally, they were only a MIDI. But so. Sound Blaster one is kind of like the Beta versus VHS. Yeah. I've, I actually bought with the, not this computer with the last computer I bought a dedicated Sound Blaster um, sound card and I ended up going back to the internal one because I had latency issues I had buffering I had all sorts of random stuff happening and it was all because of this sound card alright which is ironic because every sound card I ever owned in my 386 and 486 and 586 days and 686 days and <laughs> basically anything that wasn't built on was a Sound Blaster <laughs> yeah so some of them came with the um, joystick port, game port. Game port, yeah. Well, most of them did, especially and which CD was, CD controller. Well, the earlier ones, yeah, they had a a reverse IDE port on them. It was IDE, but it was flipped, and yep. uh, only worked with the Sound Blaster CD ROMs. The old single, bu- the old single speed. I think they went up to eight speed in that configuration. They had the um, remote control that you could play the audio yeah. CD through the through the thing. That was their best asset. But damn, they were expensive. they really were stupid expensive for what they were you you weren't getting anything you're literally just getting a generic CD-ROM with an infrared but remote but it was the coolest thing I think it was like the was it AWE 32 that that was the one that won everything Sound Blaster 16 and the AWE 32 32. I had the Sound Blaster 16 Pro most of the time which was just basically a Sound Blaster 16 um, with higher bit rate <laughs> but the author, I could never afford an author too. They were like, they were. But like didn't the, do music sound great? I tell you what, I loved with the main reason I loved having the Soundblaster Pro was they had an analog output, like they had the normal output, but then they had an analog output with a volume control. So actually, had a boosted audio output. You could plug speakers straight into it. Ah, yeah. Unpowered speakers, and it was great because I could go rock up to rock up to um, parties and stuff and play. Wave files, yes, wave files, because MP3 is one of the thing, and I could play wave files directly through speakers, and it was the like the best party trick ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the back well, when, we all thought that when Google announced their acquisition of Fitbit late last year, we'd not see any more Fitbit devices. Instead, we may start seeing Google devices instead. Fitbit, possibly because the acquisition is yet to be approved by regulatory bodies, though have other ideas, and three new Fitbit devices have leaked overnight. The Fitbit Versa 3, the new Fitbit Versa 3, looks like looks to build upon the success of previous two generations, but add a few handy features. New features include inbuilt GPS, which was in the Ionic in the earlier versions, and what appears to be Google Assistant support. The big difference design-wise is the lack of any physical buttons on the watch, which appears to be a touch-sensitive area instead. And the Fitbit Sense, which I might be keen on uh, getting, 
Uh, the Fitbit Sense looks to be the higher end version of the smartwatch family here. While it has the same design language as the Versa 3, it appears to have added software functionality. The extra functionality appears to be full ECG support and Google Assistant support. The Sense will likely be their premium product and also possibly means that the um, <clears throat> Alexa support will obviously be going since Google <laughs> might want to support Alexa. And the yeah. Fitbit Fire 2 looks to be very similar to its predecessor and offer the same basic fitness tracking capabilities. Speculation is rife that the pending Google acquisition of Fitbit will cause a previous Alexa integration to be nixed in favor of Google Assistant. It will not surprise us if that's the case. All of the above opera devices will likely be released later this year, possibly September, with a small incremental improvements, stopgap enhancements before Google take over and hopefully make us all the perfect pixel watch we've been calling it for for years. Yes. So I would be keen on maybe getting the sense. People are still buying my Fitbit uh, apps and watch faces, so I'm very happy about that. I'd be happy to go to think about it if they went to Google because nothing else I have is. You know. Yes, that's the only Alexa thing I've got is my watch at the moment. Sorry about the noise from Facebook, guys. Somebody's decided they want to send me 400 bloody Facebook messages all of a sudden. Bing, bing. Uh, well, if you weren't such a popular boy. Can I mute this tab? Oh, I can. There we go. Hey, I forgot you could do that in Chrome. Yes. Just mute that tab. There we go. Probably Very solved. handy, right? Yeah. It's not something I do SDF often. SDF you, Tim. <laughs> I'll show you who's boss. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think that's that's probably one one of the main reasons I didn't get one. Um, I don't have any other reason that I would use Alexia, and I'm like, I'm not gonna just have one <laughs> one thing for that. Like, you know, there's a, a really funny YouTube video I've been watching of this lady called uh, Rosie Okumara from the US, and She's a trained voice actor and she gets messages on her voicemail from scammers in the US who say that you've won a $100 gift card and all you have to do is provide your credit card details to charge $1.95 to send you the gift card when in reality, once you provide your credit card details, they empty your bank account. So she rings them back and pretends to be a little old lady called Irma, but also she does voices similar to Alexa and pretends there's an Alexa who's triggering on some of the words that the scammer says while they're in the conversation. So What's she'll be like, oh, yes, I have to enter in my credit card details. Hi, I'm sorry. I don't have credit card details. I am a computer. What else can I help you with? I'm sorry, I don't understand that. Shut up, Alexa. Oh, bloody Alexa is talking all the time. I can't get her to shut up. <laughs> my 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 son got me this Alexa thing and she's talking all the time. But because I get very bored because I'm lonely all by myself, sometimes I talk to her and it's like having someone in the house, you know, and she tries to piss off the scammers with this stuff, but it's really hilarious. Yeah, that'll do it. Do it. I showed it to my dad. He was watching it for like 10 minutes the other day. He's got some really funny stuff. There's a, a guy who's got an Indian accent and he says, oh, yes, I am from Texas. <laughs> like, oh, what part of Texas are you from? I, I used to live in Texas. Oh, I am from the Texas, you know. I already <laughs> told you I'm from Texas. Like, yeah, but what part? 
<laughs> you know, Texas. <laughs> you know, it's funny when they go, oh, you know, I'm, you know, Fred and we're from such and such and we're based in Sydney. I'm like, oh, so how's the, um, how's the opera house and the bridge looking? Oh, they look good. I can see them from my office. Like, well, where are you? Because no part in Sydney can, no offices in Sydney can you see both the Sydney the Harbour Bridge and the opera house at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, there was, but there's a guy, I'm just looking to see if I can find him on YouTube, I was watching, and he actually, he hacks the hackers, or scams yeah. the scammers, and what he does is, when he gets a call, he's uh, got this whole back-end thing happening on his system, and when they get access to it via LogMeIn or whatever program they're using, um, he, he has, like has a access... a virtual machine or something. Well, it has a virtual machine, but when they open the tunnel, he then has access to their computer. And like he's got access to theirs while they're while they're mucking around with his, so they're um, they're trying to obviously install a virus or something. Well, he does all sorts of things. Um, I mean, they're trying he... to install a virus. Well, meanwhile, he accesses their system and well, they're just looking through theirs to see. Like they do things like oh, they run like um sysinfo, and they oh, yep. see all these things at the stop. These are all supposed to be running and. Yeah. So this guy see all these errors in Event Manager. Yeah. Oh my God, your computer's dying. And so what Paris. he does is he actually, um, no, I'll quickly flick over. Is he the, the guy who turns on their webcam yeah. and videos them? Yeah. He yeah. actually no. This guy actually got into their security system because they didn't have they were literally installing it, and they didn't have any if any um, security set up on their surveillance system. So <laughs> what they actually did was. He obviously kept them talking and he rung back on several occasions so that he could identify um, who was talking to who and who was using what false name and and all this yeah. sort of stuff. And then they eventually figured out there was one camera that was looking at a... Um, when they were installing it, it was looking at this rooftop garden. Yeah. And he used a friend of his who lived over there who was another YouTuber and he flew his drone around until he found a building that had the rooftop garden. Yeah. And then they used that, and then they could pinpoint when they're looking at the cameras um, inside the building, they could work out where they were and who they were and what important. <laughs> so they actually literally got, like, all these guys, they got access into their phone systems. They could see who they were calling, all the call logs. Wow. Like, he actually got right inside. He figured out who all these people were, what their real names were, what hours they were running, who they were calling, how much money they were making, all this sort of stuff, what building it was. <laughs> and it goes through for... They did this for months and collected all this information yep. on these on these scammers. And it turns out they're actually legitimate... Um, they're inside a legitimate business. Like the, the actual business was like on the first and second floor. And then these guys were on like the third and fourth and they had created... a all the cables and stuff and they chucked them across the alleyway to an abandoned building behind it and they had all that abandoned building full of them as well. Jeez. <laughs> and in the end, yeah, they ended up um, getting a hold of these guys and um, they ended up reporting them and getting the cops onto them and getting them all taken down and stuff. But <laughs> that was one of their biggest ones. It was. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing to watch. It's four parts. Um, Jim, Jim Browning is the YouTuber if you want to go and see him. But he does other stuff like while he's on the call to them, He'll be doing something and he'll go into like their, he'll, he'll, because they're obviously rotating through staff really quick. So usually on their desktop, he's discovered they have a file that has the login details and passwords of like their router and their server and all this stuff. So whoever is on that computer can use it. 
So while they're accessing his computer and mucking around with that, he'll log onto theirs and he'll pull that file and he'll have access to their server and then he goes through and like just destroys the server data and destroys the and like destroys the, all the their systems and brings all their computers down and you hear the guys on the phone they're like oh sorry sorry our computers are currently experiencing difficulties yeah no, no shit eh? i wonder why that happened oh, God, no idea. Yeah, it's so funny there's like the entire ecosystem just falls apart around them they're like uh we'll, we'll have to call you back <laughs> and then he goes off at him he's like because he's a filthy scammers and you get everything you deserve <laughs> and then he reads their real name back to them and their real phone number and their real address and they freak out yeah. <laughs> does your mum know you do this wouldn't she be upset with you but what's so funny is you read the comments and they're like oh, i'm indian and i hate these guys good on you i wish you there's more people like you like <laughs> so even in their own they're giving us a bad name yeah even in their own country they're hated <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but no, that, yeah, spy on, if you go to Jim Browning and watching his spying on the scammers, it gives you an amazing um, insight into into how they function and what they do and how once, or they all use this software that links a lot of these different call centers together and once one call center has a positive hit on somebody who's given them, you know, their card details or paid them or whatever, that particular name gets added to a database that they all share and then that person gets more the more basically the more calls you get the more calls you get yeah you know so <laughs> um wow we're already okay we're an hour long um <laughs> i was going to um i might save the i'll save that one till next week just quickly be wary of uh go to google do yourself a favor Go to google.com and check out the uh, letter that they're posting up there. There's a, there'll be a notification. There's also on YouTube asking you to go to follow this link and read the letter they've written. The short version of it, we'll cover it more next week because there's currently uh, more information being changed as I just noticed a few minutes ago. But um, the short answer is the government wants to charge search engines, media, um, third-party media, um social networks, all that sort of stuff. The government wants to charge for access to news sites in Australia. So... Now, why would that be, Mr. T? It's got nothing to do with Murdoch owning the government or anything. No, no, not, nothing. like that. It's completely innocent and they don't know what they're doing. Is, is, Except is for ridiculous. ABC and SBS, right? They don't, they're not going to charge for that. No, no, they're charging the government for everything. hates them. Uh, even, even, um, even all the... All the independents... Um, oh, yep, the whole lot. They're going to do that before. No, they weren't. They, they're going to make it up to the corporation to decide. But now, and this is as of like right now, I'm looking at the updates, but I haven't read it fully. But it looks like they're going to make it, make everybody charge everybody for it. So, so Australia drops off Google search. Yeah. So effectively, go and read the letter. But basically, what it is is um, currently the you search for something, Google hits. 9MSN, which in itself is a search engine, so that'll be interesting. But it hits 9MSN and it goes, hey, we've got a story you want. It grabs that link, puts the link there, gives you a paragraph to read. If you like the story, click on the link. You go to that site, then they pay as it is because it's a paid link. They would then pay that host money for transferring the data to that site. So as much as they might have paid for the Google ad, Google then returns the favor when they click on that link and pass it through because it's, it's a paid link. So they ultimately, the newspapers end up getting paid anyway, but the way they want to work this is that they're going to set 
know, a dollar a click, for example, and every time somebody clicks to a news link, Google has to pay, which means ultimately you're going to have to pay, which means nobody's going to do it, which means there'll be no Australian media on the internet anyway, is the short version of that. Um, but yeah, you might want to go and check that out and just, um, you know, do the Australian there's, government trying to strong arm Google to its own detriment. Not just Google, it's going to, it applies to all search engines, it applies to all, um, Bing. you know, yeah, it applies to we have the search engine that goes. Bing. This is what I, I don't understand how it's going to work with non MSN because that is a search engine, but they're also a media outlet, so they're going to charge themselves. Probably. <laughs> I would put it past <laughs> So, yeah. So, it needs a bit more refinement. But um, it's a really, really bad idea. Our media sucks enough as it is. Don't give them the opportunity to suck even more. Um, and the other, one thing, though, the good thing that has come out of this is that Google has never officially but always incredibly obviously blacklisted certain sites and searches from their search engine like you can search for something and it'll never come up no matter how you search for it you go to duck duck go it comes up number one that's been lifted there is no search restrictions on google at the moment um because they've got the shits <laughs> they're like you're gonna play <laughs> these games are you, are you really gonna play these games <laughs> okay yeah. fine so all these documents and all these links and all these things that were locked down are currently not locked down. Even um, the pirate party, pirate bay. <laughs> well, no, that's that's not us. Well, yeah, you can search it. You just can't go there because the DNSs are still blocked. Um, Depending on who you're with. Yeah, but you, but yeah, they, they don't, they're not filtering search results at the moment like they used to. Um, so all the stuff on, I don't know, pick a celebrity who didn't hang himself um and enter that information in there and that'll actually come up now whereas it wouldn't before so right. yeah or um you know bill gates owns all the vaccines in the world stuff like that that stuff never used to be available but it all comes up now uh-huh. mm, so but I'll, I'll i was going to do that story but yeah i've seen changes that come through so i'll hold that off till next week because i don't want to be even more wrong than i usually am so <laughs> that will be our hour, Mike. We say uh, thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Also now at patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Sign up for $4 a month, $10 a month, or from several other tiers. See the site for details. Email us, Glenn, Will, or Warlock at AussieTechHeads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on AussieTechRadio.com 24-7, back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows are added each Friday, including this damn one. We'll <laughs> see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.